Welcome to the Non-Religious Spirituality Podcast with Jim Palmer. Explore the universal significance of spirituality beyond traditional religious dogma and doctrines. Jim is a founder of the Center for Non-Religious Spirituality, where you can find community, resources, online courses, and more. Go to www.nonreligiousspirituality.com to learn more. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Non-Religious Spirituality Podcast. My name is Jim Palmer. Glad you're here. It's actually 7.15 p.m. Central Time in the Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm drinking a cup of coffee. It's probably not a good idea this late, but actually coffee doesn't really affect me. It's not going to mess up my sleep. I could drink a cup of coffee before I go to bed and it wouldn't matter. I'm not sure what that says about me, but it's true. Okay, fun fact of the day. It revolves around this word. Do you know what this word means? It's the word thigmotropism. Thigmotropism. The fun fact of the day revolves around this word. And if you say, Jim, I know exactly what thigmotropism is. It's the directional movement that occurs in plants responding to physical touch. And if that's what you said, why you're correct. That's exactly what thigmotropism means. Plants responding to physical touch. For example, the mimosa pudica responds to even the slightest physical touch. Now, I don't know how many of you are gardeners. I don't know if you have indoor plants. I don't know if you talk to your plants or touch your plants. But there is something called plant perception. It's the ability of plants to sense and respond to the environment by adjusting their morphology and physiology. Now, you might not know, but it's true. The botanical research has revealed that plants are capable of reacting to a broad range of stimuli, including sound and touch. I'm an ultra marathon runner and I'm often running trails and I'm in the habit of when I'm running, I will sometimes reach out and touch leaves on trees as I run past them. And I feel that there's some kind of transfer of energy, like there's some sort of symbiotic relationship that occurs when I make that contact. Why, if you investigated this idea of plant perception, you drilled into it a little further, then you would find yourself in a conversation about plant consciousness. And the question is, are plants intelligent? Are plants self-aware? Are plants sentient? The idea with plant consciousness is that plants possess a highly developed conscious root brain that works much as ours does to analyze information, data, and generate sophisticated responses to its environment. So that's the fun fact of today. Thigmotropism. And plant perception 
and the question which you can investigate further about plant consciousness. Okay, I was recently asked this question. This person said, when life has lost its meaning, where do you look for renewed faith in life and humanity? So that was a question that I was asked to answer on a podcast. When life has lost its meaning, where do you look for renewed faith in life and humanity? Now, notice that the question doesn't mention God. And the reason the person doesn't mention God is the person who is inquiring no longer believes in the traditional answers and explanations of religion. They don't find those explanations tenable or useful. So let's just kind of crack open the can of worms here. Often when a person leaves religion, they find themselves in an existential crisis because religion answered all the big questions about life. Is there a God? What happens when you die? How did I get here? What is the meaning and purpose of life? So once one deconstructs away God, then that can leave a vacuum, an emptiness. It is the absence of credible answers to life's most important questions. So a person can find themselves in nihilism or a sense of meaninglessness in life. So we got a couple of minutes. Let's talk about this. Jean-Paul Sartre is a French philosopher. And here's something that he said. He said, life has no meaning a priori. It's up to you to give it a meaning. And value was nothing more than the meaning that you choose. Life has no meaning a priori, which means, Sartre was saying, that there is no universally predetermined, prescribed, overarching meaning to life. Now, if somebody contacted me and said, Jim, what is the meaning of life? If I answer the question by saying, well, actually, life has no meaning. Life is meaningless. Why, that'd be quite discouraging. I mean, right? The idea that there is no inherent meaning to life can be a frightening proposition. We would like to believe that there is an absolute meaning to which we can stop at any moment and reorient our lives especially in times when we feel we have lost our way. And in many ways, the idea of God is an abstraction of the ideal of ultimate and absolute meaning, right? We ascribe ultimate and absolute meaning to God, and therefore, we find our path forward by orienting our lives in the world to the existence of God and our relationship to God. What if I said to you something like, there is no inherent or absolute meaning to life and there's nothing or no one who can definitively tell you what is or should be, you're going to have to just figure it out yourself. Now, a lot of people would not like this 
explanation. I mean, determining the meaning of life is quite a daunting task, right? Like we feel unqualified for such an undertaking. I still can't figure out how to properly program my sports watch, much less resolve the meaning of life. At least the watch has some instructions. But consider this, that a person must determine and forge their lives according to a meaning they create for themselves. I get it. It feels like a great burden to bear. But what if you flipped it over in your mind and thought of it as the greatest gift life offers you? Maybe one of the greatest gifts of life is allowing you to be the meaning maker. Maybe the greatest gift of life is that there's not an absolute, ultimate, one-size-fits-all, overarching meaning to life. Maybe the greatest gift is that you can choose the meaning of life, or perhaps a better way to say it is that you can choose to live your life meaningfully. So with that in mind, here's a couple pathways to consider. Those of you who are deconstructing religion, those of you who have like collapsed not collapsed, but struggling under the uncertainty of the absence of credible answers to life's existential questions, here's a few things to consider. Number one, stop searching for meaning. Just stop. Rather, start creating meaning. The idea that life is meaningless or void of absolute meaning is vexing to many people. They assume that the only other alternative is that life must be random, absurd, and pointless. In philosophy, there's a term, the absurd, and specifically, it refers to the conflict between the human tendency to seek inherent value and meaning in life and the human inability to find any. So absurdism is actually a philosophical school of thought stating the efforts of humanity to find inherent meaning will ultimately fail. Okay, but listen, the problem here is not that life has no meaning. It's that the meaning of life is not something that you find. Finding meaning is an empty proposition. We're not here to find meaning. We're just here. And while we're here, we make meaning through our actions and our choices. Think of it this way. The meaninglessness of life The meaninglessness of life is not a curse, but it is an invitation. It's not a matter of searching for a meeting, but creating it. Human beings are not born into a world of inherent meaning. We are born into the world as 
meaning makers. So stop searching for meaning and start creating meaning. The second thing is choose your tools broadly. <clears throat> You're the meaning maker. Choose your tools broadly. What tools are your disposal to create meaning for your life? I mean, in my view, this is one of the most hopeful, fulfilling, and transformative aspects of taking responsibility for nurturing a meaningful life. In my own journey of making meaning for myself, I have utilized tools such as self-reflection and introspection, critical thinking, meditation, the natural and social sciences, philosophy, the arts, philosophy of religion, the study of history, spiritual practices, and my own personal experience. There is a self-correcting measure to creating meaning for your life if you choose your tools broadly. This is one of the reasons why people get into trouble by only going down the path of religion and theology as a way of making meaning for their life. Because the natural sciences and philosophy and psychology, they are all important and meaningful ways to create meaning. If you go down one path exclusively without proper knowledge and consideration of others, for example, you run the risk of selling yourself short or sabotaging the process altogether. Following the way of religion without proper regard for science is a problem. As would be following the way of science without proper regard for philosophy and excluding the arts or spiritual practice. Or cut ourselves off from some of the most transcendent aspects of the human experience. It's all a part. So even within all the various fields, all the areas of exploration and knowledge, it's not necessary for people to firmly plant their flag in one ism to the exclusion of the others, other ideas and views. Closed-mindedness is one of the greatest obstacles to creating a meaningful life while open-mindedness yields great benefits. Choose your tools broadly as the meaning maker. And then I'd say one last is to order your life accordingly. In other words, create meaning, creating meaning for your life is not simply immersing yourself in books of, you know, philosophy. You can read Seneca's book on the shortness of life. You can read on the nature of the universe. You can read these books until the cows come home, but you still must do something. The meaning of life is not something you work out entirely in your head. You must experience yourself living a meaningful life through your choices and your actions. Like, let's not get it twisted. Let's not make this complicated. The question is, are your daily actions, choices, habits, relationships, and endeavors aligned with and an expression of what you deeply value, believe, and hold to be meaningful about your life.
That's the question. Without marshalling your daily life according to the ideas, values, and beliefs you fancy in your mind, you will suffer a nagging and vexing cognitive dissonance and disharmony. It's easy to get lost in the existential quest and quagmire of determining the meaning of life rather than take responsibility for what we do and the life we've got and the meaning that we create. So it's something to think about. Life is meaningless. That's the good news. Because it's an invitation for you to be the meaning maker, which is perhaps the greatest gift that we have been given as human beings. It is true life has no inherent or absolute meaning. This is true. Life has the meaning we create and bring to it. It makes no sense to spin your wheels asking a question to which you are the only answer. Life is nothing but the facts of what is happening in any given moment or any given circumstance. It's just the facts. That's what life is. Life is the facts of what shows up in any moment in time and space. However, our experience of life is what we think it means. Our experience of life is the meaning that we create, the meaning that we project, the way we meaningfully participate in life. I really want you to get this. Look, life has no inherent meaning. It just shows up as it is factually. But you're the meaning maker. You participate in those facts and you create the meaning. Now, why can't God be this? Why does, it, why does the God question have to be something about that there's a separate God that created the universe and God's already thought all this out. God's got the purpose of the meaning of life. You've got to find it or listen to God and figure out what it is from God. Why can't God be the process of you creating meaning in your life? Why can't that be God? Okay. That's it for today. I hope this was helpful and useful for those who are trying to make their way forward after leaving religion and feeling some emptiness about what really matters in life. And as I said, you are the only answer to that question. It's not found in a book. It's not found in some sky god. It's not found in a lockbox in the center of the universe. It's not the number 42. It's not any of that. That answer is within you. You are the meaning maker. We'll see you next time. You can visit nonreligiousspirituality.com to learn a little bit more about what we do at the Center for Non-Religious Spirituality. Don't forget to leave me comments on this podcast and feel free to let me know if there's something you'd like me to discuss further.
All right, you have a good night. We'll see you here next time. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit nonreligiousspirituality.com to find community, resources, and more.